0: Hi everyone! Welcome to this episode of The Prano. We're doing things a little bit different to usual and we're having ourselves a little folkloric law moot. Um, So we're going to be looking at the story of the Phantom of Loft Ways. Rasheen will be on the prosecution and I will be on the defence for uh, Lady Agnes. Enjoy.
1: Our story is set in a castle that no longer stands, on an island that is no longer an island, and in a lock that's no longer a lock. The ancient castle of the Burnet stood proud against the elements on a small island, in what was then the Lock of Lees. And it's here, with the not-yet-17-year-old Laird Alexander Burnet, the ninth Laird of Lees, that our tragic story unfolds. The Lady Agnes' mother to the young Laird had managed the barony since the 8th Laird's untimely passing, 11 years past. She was a strong and regal woman, but also shrewd and cunning, as she needed to be to maintain her family's position with the rivalling baronies. One evening Lady Agnes's servants came to her, informing her that a very distant relative, Sir Roger de Bernard, whose branch of the family had long since departed Scottish shores for France, was on the banks of the loch, along with his daughter and a full retinue of staff. He sought to visit his ancestral homeland, a pastime still favoured by those of distant Scottish descent to this day. You see, Scotland has a pull for those that have come from here. Too much history, love, hate and dare I say magic has been shared between Scotland and its people for it to be so easily diminished by a jaunt over the sea. In the case of our tale, however, Sir Roger's visit was also, at least in part, due to trouble in France that may have put his family at a rather unhealthy odds of being killed. Of course, Lady Agnes sent boats and greeted her guest fondly, speaking of the ancient ties between their people. Sir Roger and his retinue stayed the night at the castle, and upon the following evening was the guest of honour at a feast throne for them. When the time came for Sir Roger to give a speech, he did so with great gusto and concluded with a thanks, stating that while he must return to France to protect his interests, his daughter Bertha would remain. This was a statement the young Lear gladly welcomed, for in the day he had spent with Bertha, he had grown rather fond of her, and when thanking Sir Roger for his kind words, he caught Bertha's eye from across the room and saw she was beaming. Clearly, she too had enjoyed their time together. What the young laird had not seen, however, was the dark clouds that gathered in his mother's eyes as she stared at Bertha with thinly veiled venom. Lady Agnes was not a bad person. No, she would be delighted for her darling son to fall in love and marry. So long as the girl was a daughter of one of the Lords of Lorne. Unfortunately, Bertha didn't quite make that cut. But for this evening, Lady Agnes said nothing. As the days and weeks went by, as expected, the laird and Bertha grew closer and closer, while Lady Agnes' concern and anger at the situation grew and grew. After a while, it was evident to everyone, including Bertha, that Lady Agnes resented her deeply. Lady Agnes had tried in vain over the weeks since Bertha's arrival, to entice the young laird with other high-born ladies. She threw banquets with various lords of Lorne as guests, in the hope that the young laird's attentions would drift. But alas, no other matched the charm, wit and beauty of our French maiden Bertha. Lady Agnes could not, alas, prevent the young laird from seeing Bertha, for he was now a man and head of the family. And even if she sought to intimidate Bertha directly, the laird was never more than a few steps behind her shooing her away from Bertha any time her temper started to fray. But there came a day the young laird had to go away to meet the abbot of Arbroath in order to resolve a land dispute. Such things could take a while to resolve, but he did his best to assure Bertha he would be back in due course. Not quite believing him, and in any event not wanting to cross paths with Lady Agnes, Bertha resolved to lock herself in her room until the laird returned. The weeks passed, and the laird did not return, and Bertha, now mixed with anguish for her love and a fear of Lady Agnes, still refused to leave her room or see anyone. As the weeks turned into months, and the seasons changed, Bertha grew frail and ill. Still the laird did not return. One misty June morning, the laird did return, and having got the boat to the island, expected to be greeted in royal fashion. But to his astonishment, there was no one in sight. As he approached the front of the keep, he still heard nothing, saw no one, until he reached the throne room. There he saw before him a quiet room full of stony-faced people, and in the centre a byre bearing the lifeless corpse of his love. The laird quickly reached for a goblet of wine resting on the windowsill in order to steady his nerves. But before the wine could even touch his lips, Lady Agnes dashed the goblet from his hand its contents flying through the open window. It soon became apparent to the laird, from his mother's actions and the subsequent glance she made between the splatters of wine that fell short of the window in Bertha's corpse, that his love had been poisoned. The laird mourned for a time, but being young and full of life, the memory of Bertha soon began to fade. It was not until the sudden appearance of Sir Roger a year later that it all came flooding back as raw as it had been the day he returned from our broth. Sir Roger had heard of his daughter's untimely passing and its cause, and unlike the castle servants who would not accuse Lady Agnes of any wrongdoing, unless there were several drinks down the tavern, Sir Roger was not so shy. He bowled into the great hall unannounced and accused Lady Agnes of Bertha's murder. As Lady Agnes stood to protest Sir Roger's damning accusations, a cool air swept the hall. The candles flickered and the banners moved. Lady Agnes stared, her eyes fixed on the door, as she let out a scream. She comes! She comes! Then, with a witch-like cackle, she fell to the floor, dead. Once a year at midnight, it's said that a ghostly figure of a woman rises from the site of the old castle and glides across the land to the new craves castle built by the laird in an attempt to escape the cursed events of the old keep. Some say the ghost is Bertha's, venturing from the place of her untimely death to see the beautiful new castle commissioned by her lover. Others say it's the ghost of Lady Agnes, damned to walk this mortal plain for eternity, and repentance for her evil deed. Now that I've set out the facts of our case, we'll hear from here, from Roisin.
2: I'm here today to represent the poor victim, Bertha, who did absolutely nothing to receive that ire of her mother-in-law like most daughter-in-laws do so first of all bertha had no choice in coming to lock of lease she was dragged along by her father and then happened to meet the young laird there but she had no intentions on him it was rather he was fond of her and she grew fond of him and it wasn't uh, until agnes decided that they had this burgeoning relationship that she must stop that all this terrible uh things happened so first of all poor bertha <laughs> victim victim number one. Second of all um agnes was known as a domineering woman interested in power so not only did she unfairly think that bertha wasn't good enough to be her son's wife as if that's a good enough reason to kill somebody she also saw Bertha as a threat to her own position because the minute there was a new lady of Loch of Lees, Agnes would lose all of her power. And I think that's another reason why no one was ever quite good enough for her darling son. Finally, Bertha clearly had to put up with harassment, showing that this was a malicious attack on an innocent girl. She had to hide away in a tower while Alexander was away because she was so afraid of Agnes. and all of the staff seem to be equally as afraid of her, wouldn't be able to speak out against her until after she had died. So it's clear to me, and I think it's clear to everybody here, that Agnes is bad, and she must be punished. Well, Down with Agnes, up with Bertha.
1: <laughs> thank you, Roisin, for your submission there, outlining our, our victim you, and the uh, lady in which you're accusing Of killing the young and innocent Arthur. Now we'll hear. As you can
2: see, I have been trained in law (laughs) for many years. Now (laughs) we will hear. A very professional argument that I laid at your feet, Your Honorable (laughs) Justice David White. Now
1: we'll hear from Rebecca.
0: Hello, my name is Rebecca Browns, or White.
1: (laughs) Whatever you've (laughs) had. Attorney
0: at law. Um. So I'm here to defend my client, the Lady Agnes. <laughs> I'd like to start off my submission by saying that while we know that uh, my client is a shrewd and cunning woman, she is this way for the sole purpose of defending her family and her position. Um, family rivalries are a dangerous business in Scotland, as we know. Um, and so in order to protect her family and her son's legacy, She's had to to think this way um, to protect them. However, in spite of this, she welcomed Sir Roger and Bertha with open arms. She threw them a feast. She sent out her bolts the minute that she knew that they were there. She spoke warmly of their family ties. And I think if this was a woman who was afraid of the potential um, loss of power through Bertha, she wouldn't have been so warm to begin with. um. She's also someone who clearly knows their own mind um, and speaks truthfully and she made no indication as to displeasure with her son or Bertha apart from a supposed look across the room. But we don't know what that could be for. Perhaps she saw some different ulterior motive. Maybe it was nothing to do with Bertha. Maybe the chicken was off. Objection. Hearsay. <laughs> <Horrible>.
2: <laughs> ah.
0: Next time, I'll get in next time. What I would like to ask is what the the motives of the person who accused her of having this look are was it her son whose love was killed and who is so willing to blame it on her on his mother? Anyway. Um Bertha would not leave her room while the young laird was away and she grew ill. However, we've got no witnesses that say that Agnes had any contact with Bertha during this time. Um we knew that she was already growing ill, and sometimes ill people die. And likewise, there was no confession and no witnesses that La- Lady Agnes actually poisoned Bertha. Um, the poisoned wine was only circumstantial evidence, and the son inferred that his mother his mother's guilt from the wine. And what I have to ask about the young laird is why is he drinking random wine just sat on windowsills? <laughs> <laughs> Why is the poisoned wine <laughs> just conveniently sat on the windowsill <laughs> in the room where the dead body is? Did, did the poisoning happen right there? Why why did the poison chalice get left out? There's too many questions here. It sounds like a setup to me. So, um, a death had just happened. Um, and a protective woman like Agnes would naturally go to defend her son. If Bertha, Even if Bertha had died of natural causes and there was this random suspicious goblet of wine sat on a windowsill, I'm sure she would bat it out of his hand just in case. She was paranoid. Also, as we said earlier, she's shrewd and cunning. I don't think she'd leave the murder weapon just lying about. Um, The servants also were not willing to accuse her. Um, Sir Roger accusing Lady Agnes, as quickly as he did, is perhaps indicative of a powerful man whose family is in trouble, as that's why he had to come over from France. And he's looking for some fresh opportunities. Um the lady Agnes's death might not have been supernatural. It may have just simply been a heart attack or shock. There's been a lot going on right now. um she's been accused of murder. Maybe her heart just gave out. Um, there were also no attempts to link the young Laird with a uh, a Lord of Lauren's daughter um after Bertha's passing, like between Bertha's passing and the coming of the French. Uh, of Bertha's father back to the court. The whole year had elapsed and uh, at no point do we know that uh, Lady Agnes tried to pimp out her son. Um, but it shows a respect for her grieving son and the relationship that he had with Bertha. And I I am here to say that I believe this is a witch hunt against the Lady Agnes. <laughs> and I have to ask Que Bono, who benefited? I want to know where Sir Roger is right now.
2: Oh, damn, she's bringing out the Latin. Thank you for that very surprising. Judge, judge, uh, I'd like it to be written into the record that you referred to her as a witch. So her own defendant agrees. (laughs) Okay, well, that'll be duly noted.
1: Thank you for that very insightful submission, really casting a lot of doubts in our mind there.
2: Right. So, first, I would like to focus on the murder weapon, the poisoned chalice. Oh, what a great phrase so you claim that we are prejudiced against agnes that there's no way she could have known there was poison in the wine and yet why then did she smack it out of her son's hand if she was really so innocent why would she mind if the lord of the castle had a drink of his very own wine unless she knew there was something wrong with it I'd also like to point out that the specific disease that Bertha had, according to other testimony, was a wasting disease, which means for many months, she slowly wasted away, in which case, where was Agnes? Was she not there looking after her son's fiance? If she saw her suffering in such an inhumane way, why did she not ever help? Unless it was her wish, nay, her desire for Bertha to die, and leave her son alone uh second of all alexander is just as guilty as his mother because he never confronted his mother directly despite the fact that he saw the harassment that bertha was receiving and despite his suspicions showing that bertha was abandoned by the one person that she had trusted more than anyone else he never directly accused his mother all he did was share a look and really if he had his best interests at heart he would have outright accused his mother so this case could have been prosecuted properly however many years ago it was now um finally you say that agnes died and it was not a supernatural cause i agree it may not be supernatural instead it may be a manifestation of her own guilt she comes she comes she cackles like a witch and falls to the ground obviously she sees Bertha's ghost and she feels such guilt for what she has done that her own can't gets out much like her contemporary Lady Macbeth (laughs) who uh, we've also seen had a hand in a murder and took her own life because she couldn't deal with the guilt so I think that addresses the majority of your insane points and that's a (laughs) heckle from the crowd that wasn't for me (laughs) <laughs> yeah she's so bad she's so stupid <laughs> Order in the court Ew.
1: <laughs> right. well that was an interesting rebuttal there we'll pass back to
0: Rebecca okay well first of all you ask why she would smack the goblet out of her son's hand which is a point that I already uh, touched on I believe that this is a woman who is shrewd and cunning And she looks to defend her family at all costs. Clearly, something has happened here. It could be natural causes. There could be someone, another perpetrator involved. We're running out of time. There could be another perpetrator involved. She's defending her son. She's worried that what happened to Bertha might happen to him, so she smacks the wine out of his hand. You also state that she had a waste that Bertha had a wasting disease. And the lady, the lady Agnes did not do anything to help her. However, as the kind and generous woman that Agnes is, Agnes heard that Bertha did not want anything to do with her. So she respected Bertha's boundaries by not going... Yeah, if you want. <laughs> <laughs> by not going to care for her. Um, we also say you also say that Alexander was guilty, uh, just as guilty as he didn't confront his mother, which I do agree with. However, um, it's just typical of the law blaming the actions of a man on his mother and on the woman in his life, <laughs> and really the villain here must be Alexander. Um, Agnes's death being a manifestation of her own guilt. Um... And uh, you compare her to the contemporary Lady Macbeth, and I wonder how how much of the of the myth and the villainization of Lady Macbeth is skewing the public perception of our kind and generous Lady Agnes. Oh.
1: <laughs> That's
0: <laughs> <is> a <witch. laughs>
1: Well, I think this is a very interesting submissions there.
2: Um, You're after. Can I call a witness? yes uh yes. can i call lord alexander lord
1: alexander <laughs> please approach the bench would you like to swear on the bible okay there you go that's all done he's up there on the stand on the go Roshi.
2: lord alexander thank you for joining us it's difficult to see your mother and ex-lover in the court today we're very proud of you can you first tell me were you aware of your mother's hatred words uh bertha
1: i did have suspicions um she had given she always seemed slightly disapproving of her she didn't want to engage with her much and when she did it was always in short words um and uh, when i left to go away to our broth um when bertha said she she was unsure about my mother and that she would prefer to stay to her chambers i didn't think she was being Overly unreasonable.
2: Cute <gasps>, gasps from the court. And did Bertha ever tell you she was in fear physically from your mother?
1: I don't think she ever did mention that she was in fear physically because I think if she'd expressed that strongly enough, I don't think I would have gone to our birth, despite the, the urgency. Um, I think she had shown her fear and... Um, That possibly could be construed uh, in certain ways, but I don't think she'd ever directly expressed uh, her concern about physical harm.
2: And after poor Bertha had passed away, did your mother make any attempt to contact you and inform you of your lover's demise?
1: Uh, No, it was a complete shock when I got back to the castle.
2: Almost as if she had tried to hide it, would you say?
1: It would have been, mm, I don't know, actually, I was about to say it would been harder to reach me, but we did have messengers uh, keeping me in contact with the castle, so um, I don't know how recent, I think it was fairly recently that Bertha died, possibly the day before, so uh, I don't think it would have been uh, unusual for her not to have managed to contact
2: me yet. Thank you, Lord Alexander, and final question, do you believe the wine was poisoned, and do you believe that your ex Bertha was poisoned by your mother?
1: I have had my suspicions about my mother. I don't know if I could extend, I don't think I want to believe that it was her that did it. Um, and with regards to the wine itself, I'm, I'm not sure, but I don't know why else it would be thrown out of my hand so violently. Mm,
2: indeed. You sound like. A clever young man who has been living in your domineering mother's shadow for far too <laughs> long.
0: Objection!
2: Withdrawn.
1: Right. So, um, Rebecca, would you are like you
0: making to notes?
1: Cross examine the Yes, word? of
0: course. Absolute nerd. Sorry. <laughs> okay. Alexander, I'll wait to see you today and I'm so sorry for your loss. Thank you.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, can I ask? Do you eat? How is your food prepared in the castle?
1: Uh, all of our food is prepared by the chef.
0: And you know the chef well.
1: Uh, yes, well, uh, and uh, of course the kitchen staff help. We can't kind of have a whole feast done by one cook.
0: Um. Do you have tasters? Um. Well, if it's
1: a particularly large banquet, we do. But generally, no. Uh, we're quite a small little community.
0: So there's a lot of trust.
1: Yes,
0: What can you explain to me the thought process behind the wine that was left out?
1: Um I don't know. I wasn't there. I just arrived and was sitting by the side and I thought
0: I'm gonna um, drink that.
1: Well I needed a glass of wine to stitter my
0: nerves.
2: Could be anything in that Alex. objection. That was mean. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
0: Presumably, though, do you have any any siblings?
1: Uh, no. So you're normally no, tapped? I'm normally tapped.
0: So the barony is is your responsibility, you're the sole heir. But well, so I, I am your, the lord. Your, yeah. Yes. So are you in the habit of risking the stability of your lordship?
1: Give me a break, I'm 17. <laughs>
0: Short, short, <laughs> short. You definitely sound it, sir. <laughs> um and can I ask, have you married since the unfortunate demise of Bertha? Uh yes, I have. And um, can you tell me a little bit about her? Where's she from? How old is she?
1: She is from uh Lawn. She's one daughter of one of the Lords of Objection, Lawn. Objection,
2: relevancy. It's relevant.
1: Sustained.
0: (laughs) And how did you two meet? Just because you say so. (laughs) Ah,
2: fair comment.
0: (laughs) (laughs) How how did you two meet? Tell me the whole thing.
1: As the judge, I will allow brief line of questioning in this regard. Okay. Um. Well, we we met. um, I was introduced to her by my uh, mother. She was. We caught each other's eye, and, yes. You uh, caught
0: each other's eye?
1: Well, we had been introduced by my mother first, but my mother had introduced me to many of the ladies of the Lords of Law, Lord, the past. There's always been her view that I would marry one of them. Until Bertha? Well, yes. yes.
0: Could you tell me what your, what kind of relationship you have with the man that was going to be your father-in-law, Sir Roger? Well, I've not
1: met Sir Roger many times before. Um, I think I've only met him two or three times in my life. Um, from what I know of him, he's quite a bold and brash man. He takes a lot of risks. Uh, he's found himself on the wrong side of of quite a few court intrigues and uh, battles. Yes, it's...
0: interesting. And what was the dynamic like between, um? your mother and the uh, Sir Roger. It sounds like they had quite a, a nice relationship to begin with anyway.
1: Um. Yes, I think they had been acquainted a while before um, he had been at the wedding of my mother and my, my father and um, quite well known in the family. He's got quite away with words. Um. So yes, I'd say they got on reasonably well. Uh, they got a bit more distant after my father passed away.
0: Okay, no further questions. Okay. I would like to call um, Sir Roger to the stand, please.
1: Sir <laughs> Roger, please approach the bench. Um, do your little thing. <laughs> now, please take the start. Rebecca, you may begin your question.
0: Thank you for attending today, Sir Roger. Um, we do appreciate it. I understand that things have been a bit tricky for your family in France. Um, things, has the situation improved any?
1: Um, yes, I think it's getting a wee bit better. Um, they, We do struggle with a language barrier, but they don't quite fully understand my accent.
0: Can you detail me, can you fill in the audience today, uh, a little bit of what those issues were that you had? The
1: French people have always been quite angry at the nobility, oh um, so uh, we weren't doing very well and uh, I picked the wrong side on a lot of battles uh, and invested my money badly. I owed quite a lot of money to a lot of different people.
0: So given these difficulties in France, um, you had family uh, in this neck of the woods in Scotland, so decided to come over here, is that correct? Yes, well,
1: I was... Um... Looking for alliances around about Britain and uh, I thought I'd pop uh, just home for a little bit to say hello just while I was about to. Uh, that, that was all.
0: And you were welcomed?
1: Oh yes, very much so. It was uh, good to see them all.
0: And what made you decide to leave your daughter at the castle? Well,
1: um, it was dangerous back in France to see, and um, I must confess while I'm under oath there was a, a slight part of me that wanted her to... Uh, get married to the Lord so we could have some firmer ties to stop it.
0: Interesting. So, what is it that makes you think that... the Lady Agnes killed your daughter? Oh, it's obvious, isn't it? Everybody was saying that The gossip
1: was everywhere.
0: Really? Ah, oh, There's a big difference between gossip and fact, though.
1: Didn't deny it.
0: Didn't admit it. Well, it
1: was good as, wasn't it?
0: You're fighting a very strong fight here against lady agnes are you trying to i I have an objection uh sir roger is not on trial here
2: (laughs) (laughs) he's entitled to his opinion okay um
0: have things improved mr judge
2: Judge, could you tell rebecca that she's not allowed to argue anymore (laughs) that'll make my case much easier
0: i will have to stop answering the words okay um have things improved for you now sir roger um.
1: Well, not really. I've now got no daughter, no ties to Scotland. I've lost my castle. I'm living in a hobble, but I do have a very nice horse. So you know, you win some, you lose some. <laughs> well, no,
0: I've got no daughter. <laughs> Sorry to hear that, Sir Roger. That's quite tragic. No further questions, Your Honour.
2: I do have some questions for the witness, Your Honour. May I approach? Yes. Sir Roger, were you aware that your daughter Bertha was forming an attachment to Laird Alexander?
1: Yes, she told me before I went away that she should have an attraction for her. And I told her, uh, he seemed like a very nice young
2: man. So you would have been happy for her to marry Lord Alexander. You would have tried to kill him, say, for not being good enough.
1: No, no, he was a
0: lovely young man.
2: <laughs> Fantastic. And if Lord Alexander had approached you and said, I'm sorry, sir, but I'm not in the market for a wife at this time, <laughs> would you have said, ah oh, well and not killed him? Well, I, I wouldn't have killed
1: him. I don't know if I would have gone all well. Maybe we would have tried a little bit of scheming, but um, if it came to nothing in the end, you know that that's just the way it is.
2: So you cared a lot for your daughter, and oh, you just I wanted did. to see her happy.
1: I did indeed, I very much did.
2: What a great parent you were! Just thought you wanted to. You should. You should hear that. Um, and maybe Agnes should hear what a what a good parent acts like.
1: Uh, does anyone <laughs> have any? Oh,
0: is... Cole? No. Nope.
1: Then we will go to closing statements.
2: We'll we'll
1: the prosecution.
2: To conclude, Bertha, a young woman, hopeful for love, was left in the arms of what she thought was a caring member of her own family. However, what she instead faced was nonstop harassment from Agnes, the ignorance of Agnes's son, Alexander. While that may be excused due to his young age, it again goes to show that Agnes's domineering, forceful personality was more or less the force of nature, and who could stand against her? And if she took it into her head to kill somebody standing in her way, who would dare go up against her? As Agnes was being harassed, she found her only sanctuary was in her room, where she allowed herself to become weaker and weaker until it became child's play for agnes to poison her leading to her to be diagnosed with a so-called wasting disease if as the the defendant argues agnes was not in fact the one who put the poison in the chalice was she not the person in charge of the castle at that time was she not the person with a duty of care towards bertha the fiance of her son And was she not the person in charge of buying in all the supplies for the castle as the lady of the house and therefore buying in the poison, buying in the wine that was used to slay poor Bertha? Finally, Agnes's death came as a sign of her guilt and she saw the woman coming towards her, the ghost of Bertha. She comes, she comes. And she knew that she was to be punished for the heinous deeds that she had committed in taking away this poor young girl's life so soon, so before her time. And because of that, Judge, I would like to ask for Agnes to be punished to the full extent of the law and the full ex- extent of the folk law, <laughs> <laughs> including being eaten by beasties. Well, thank Please, you your for Honor, your uh, closing
1: statements there. Very persuasive points, and I will consider them all in reaching my verdict. Um, We'll now go over to the defendant and her closing statements.
0: Um, (laughs) To conclude, I would like to reiterate the fact that there are no witnesses to this murder. No, wait, I'm taking that back. (laughs) Strike that from the record. (laughs) There is substantial doubt that it was actually poison that killed Bertha, or indeed that that wine was poisoned in the first place, as it was hurled across the room and spilled. I don't believe a physician actually checked it. We just assumed, inferred, it was inferred by the young Laird Alexander, this was poisoned. It was the accusation from a grief-stricken young man. Um. Agnes doesn't know where every glass of wine is, that's what I would say, in objection to what she said. I believe this was a setup by the Laird Alexander. Why did he take so long to return from our growth? It's not exactly far away. Why didn't he write to, to Bertha? He wanted his mother out of the way and Bertha was the way to do it. She is still the victim of this, but so is Agnes. <laughs>
1: If that's what you want to be your closing statement. We go with that, <laughs> okay.
0: I am off to deliberate in my chamber, so I shall return
1: momentarily.
0: I think that was a good court, Rebecca.
2: I think we had huh? um good court, good court, yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. You know what? Yes, no hard feelings, no hard feelings, little, little kiss. <laughs> personally i think i think she was guilty too i just you know i get hired to do this for money you oh, know no,
2: i completely understand i loved some of your arguments your showmanship it was the gesturing truly masculine. thank you
0: thank you yeah uh yeah i lo- I watch a lot of suits that was i also watch suits oh wow is that well, where I you learn SVU. Mm-hmm. is that where you learned the law
2: yeah and i learned it so well and so good yeah and i could practice in reality i think yeah Yeah, yeah. Bertha thinks so, too, she just said to me.
0: Oh, that's great. I don't actually have Agnes in the room with me today, but... should No, because she's
2: in hell, burning, but, you know... True, true.
1: Right, (laughs) I thank you for your submission.
2: Enemies again. I
1: have considered both of your arguments um, as well put forward as they were, and your closing statements, uh, and I have reached a verdict. Uh, that I will proclaim in this court of law. <laughs> 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 um, I find Lady Agnes on the first count of murder not guilty. Ah, so, jings I find Lady Agnes on the second count of culpable homicide guilty for Yay! she owed a duty of care irrespective of as to whether she directly killed Bertha, which I don't believe there was sufficient evidence to prove beyond reasonable doubt that that's the case, she did have a duty to ensure, while under her care, that she was not killed by anyone else, or at least to an extent not allowed to waste away without suitable medical intervention, which she clearly did. That being the case, I sentenced Lady Agnes to be dragged to the depths of the lock by Kelpie. That's a good and one. if she manages to bewitch the Kelpie and they fall in love, she shall be pardoned, and if the Kelpie eats her, she'll be dead. Um, <laughs> <laughs> now I will throw a surprise, small punishment as well, for the Lord Alexander. Not in that I believe there's evidence to support that he had anything to do with the death for he was away, a clear alibi from an abbot, um, but I believe his uh, issues with his mother has caused some concern, and so I have sent him to mandatory counselling for three months. Uh, By a Kelpie? No, the counselling will be carried out by a Brownie, and then he must (laughs) run three times over a fairy hill and see if he's dragged away for a (laughs) hundred years. That's a good
2: one. I think that's uh, suitable. That's my sentencing. Thank you both. (laughs) Thank you, Your Honourable Excellency. Justice has truly been served. It truly, truly has. And we were so good at
1: (laughs) (laughs) I think that is must be our most random podcast. Yeah.
2: That'll be the worst rated episode that we've ever done for (laughs) sure.
0: Thank you for listening to the Folklore Scotland podcast. We'll be back every week with more folkloric content from stories to analysis. The podcast is brought to you by Folklore Scotland, the charity that aims to make Scottish folklore accessible using digital platforms, telling the tales of the past with the technology of today. If you'd like to become a voluntary contributor or would like to get in touch, pop us an email at info at and you can find all of our social media as well as a list of sources in the show notes below the charity also now has a coffee page which you can find in the show notes if you would like to help us continue the work that we do thanks for listening and we'll see you next time